Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Well, hallelujah. Colton Wickermore Rodney. Sally. That's how we got on that. So he goes into a men's meeting and he's asking for Sally. And in 1970, there were none. And so, you know, what are you asking for a Sally Savior? It's clearly a woman's name in a men's meeting. Long story shorter, he gets on an airplane after going through all those meetings and he's flying back. God had spoken to him that he's going to meet Sally Savior. He's flying back from Hawaii to California before he headed back home to Malaysia. Sri Lanka, thank you. Everybody say Sri Lanka. Okay, that's not tongues, but it is a tongue of another language anyway. So he, uh, he gets on the plane. It's relatively empty. It's a late flight. And he's seated next to this lady. And she's in the, in, the, in the window, and he sits down at the aisle. And he says, oh, hello, nice to meet you. She says, oh, hi, my name's Sally Savior. For the entire flight, which is approximately three and a half hours, flying across to California, Sally Savior tells him about his entire life. Now, like I said, you can hear encounters like this, but then you don't get to see all the fruit of it. Except with this guy, you see all the fruit. Everything he said that Sally Savior told him, he has done and has happened, and there's still more yet to come. So for three hours, he hears this prophetic word from a lady by the name of supposed lady by the name of Sally Savior, who tells him all about his life, why things happened in his childhood the way that they did, what happened in his home, what happened in his family, why certain things were the way they were, all the way through, then told him about his life and everything he was gonna do and gave him a master plan for his life, which, according to him and his books, he wrote out, pardon me, he wrote it in his books, but he's done it. And you see the fruit of Colton Wickamore Rotney, amazing man of God, and you see the fruit all over of what Sally Savior said to do. And one of the things Sally Savior said was that to never forget that God's man, oh, pardon me, God's plan is a man. Let that sink in for a second. God's method is a man. And what, he, what she was saying, or he actually, he believes it was an angel, and they're neither male nor female. The angel told him, when you walk off the plane, don't turn around. So he walked off the plane and didn't turn around. And he went and he did it. Now all these years later, 30 years later, everything that this angel told him has come to pass. God's method is a man. I want you to say that. God's method is a man. So what, what I'm trying to teach you in these, these meetings on Wednesday is that if God's going to write music through somebody, he has to get somebody to write the music. He has to get somebody that will pay the price to step in, to hear, to pray, to hear, to get so close to God that they can hear the sound of heaven and receive the download from an angel, uh, Sally, or by some other name of what to write, what to say, what to preach. We don't, we don't, the, the world doesn't need canned messages. The world doesn't need 
powerless Christianity. We don't need another religion. We need people that can bring the kingdom of God. And I'm gonna say, it's not just for me to do it. It's not just for the evangelists to do it. It's for every single person to get a hold of their God-given, blood-bought right and get filled with the Holy Ghost and fire and power and, 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 and get a vision from God, get a dream from God. We've been talking about that. Got to get a dream. You got to get a dream or, or be a part of a dream. Be a part of a vision from God is far bigger than any one man can do. And when a people come together in agreement for, with a corporate vision, then God will do things like build a 73,000 square foot facility that everybody laughs at you for doing until we have our grand opening and thousands of people get saved. Then they ain't laughing anymore. And I'm going to tell you something. God was looking for somebody to give a dream to. He's looking for somebody to give a dream to. He spoke to Abraham. Review. He spoke to Abraham and he brought Abraham out of the tent, Genesis 15, verse 5, and said, Abram. He's not Abraham yet. He's soon going to be Abram, Abraham, father of many. He brings him out of the tent and he says, nah, please, nah, or nah, bet is the Hebrew. Please, Abram, shut up. <laughs> it's not what he says, but, but Abram, Abram, is complaining with God. He's like, how am I going to do it? I don't have any kids. All of my, every, Eleazar, he's the one. It's going to be Eleazar. He's going to, I don't have any children. You know, God, you don't, I don't have any children. And the Lord says, Abram, shut up. He doesn't really say that, but the language is this. He, he, Abram is complaining. Right. You're Abram tonight. Oh, okay. And we've done this a couple times, but it, it, it blows my mind. It's kind of what Pastor Tim said in our extension meeting, that, that God makes himself vulnerable. I, I don't know that I would use the word vulnerable, but I would use the word, he longs to co-partner partner right. with us, to, to, right. to, to um, co-labor with us mm -hmm. in New Testament language. And so he says to Abram, please, look, why would God say to a man, please, or I beg you. It's, it's the most unusual language. It's like, would you please just look, would you just, would you look up? More numerable that your descendants will be than all of the stars. Abram, please, look. Abram saw the stars. He believed God was accredited to him as righteousness. The reason it says nah or not bet or please, I beg you, why would God do that? Because God has to find a couple who will believe in the face of the enemy trying to scramble the email and jack everything up to get a couple to believe for a child, special child, special children. Okay, so you, you belief, supernatural faith. You wouldn't have had the child had you not had faith. He gives a prophetic word. He, he gives dreams. He gives visions. He speaks to Abram. He shows him the stars that prophesied to him every time he went out the tent. Every time he went out of the tent, he looked up. He's like, ha, ah, my children. And even his name gets changed to Abraham, which is father of many. And then he had to introduce himself to everybody. Hi, my name's the father of many. Really? Yes, father of many. Nice to meet you. Where's your children? Let me show you all the stars. Just... It's full of faith. God's method is a man. But if God, God's method, when I say man, I mean mankind. So if we're going to touch Indonesia, he'll drop it in someone's heart, and then they're willing to do whatever it costs, whatever it requires, whatever it takes, or it's not happening. 
God is calling us to do amazing things in this hour of history. But Christians have such a small view. You know what's amazing to me? Y'all are business owners over here. Amen? Man, if you're going to run a business, I mean, it's going to require some capital. Am I right? God speaks to you. You've got to like, you got to get it going. I mean, I remember a coffee shop that opened up. Let's talk about Sheree's coffee shop for a second. She was in the thing. She's about to give birth. Lord, let the baby come tonight, tonight. Let the baby come tonight. In the name of Jesus. Amen. She lived in the thing. If I remember correctly, she was there. She was there making sure the bottles were right, making sure all the, you know, the training everybody, making sure they pulled good shots because bad shots should be thrown out. Espresso, burned espresso is for the birds. Good espresso is from the Lord. You have to learn how to do good espresso. You let it sit, it can get burned. If you don't tamp it right, 60 pounds of pressure. You have to have the right grind. You have to, the grind is determined by the temperature, moisture in the air, and all of that to make good espresso. Some of you think we just slap it together and pour it through and, whoa, have your coffee. No, 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 that's not the way it is. And she sowed so much time to make, I think it was voted the number one coffee shop in town. So if you're going to have a business, now just follow this for a second. You're going to have a business, you're going to do it if you're going to be successful, if it's going to be a winner. I mean, you can flush a bunch of money down the toilet if you want to. But if you really want to get it, you're going to have to work at it. Am I right? Why is it that the people thinking for the things of the kingdom, that's not going to require everything that you got? It requires everything you have. Somebody, I remember hearing this precious man, and you'll know who it is when I imitate his voice. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He said something like, I'm, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to undermine. He says, a price to pay. Price to pay. Okay, when I first heard that, I thought, what a bunch of bunk. Yeah, I did. I said that. Why is that? Because, because the price was paid. Track this for a second. Was the price was paid by who? Jesus. He was crucified. He rose again. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you. It's a price to pay. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Then I grew up a little bit. And I began to realize that every anointing in Scripture is available for me if I'm willing to do what they did to get it. The price to pay is death to your own agenda. Half-hearted, smooth-kneed, apathetic Christianity doesn't bring any fire, doesn't change anything. It, religiosity will never cast out devils. Can't. Doesn't have any power to do it a form of religion lacking power. No, no. If, if you're really going to see the dream come about, it's going to require everything that you have. Amen. A number of years ago in our building project, the Lord spoke to Pastor Karen, myself. It was to you first, but I confirmed it as a word from the Lord. <laughs> if you don't lead, if you don't sacrifice, how can you expect anybody else to? So we have. We, we have, and it's not much, seriously. I mean, really, we think our sacrifice is like everything. No, his sacrifice, God's one and only son, that is the ultimate sacrifice. And sometimes we murmur and complain, oh my gosh, if I only had my tithe, if I just had my shot up, 
You don't understand covenant. You don't understand what God wants to do for you. You're his plan. You're his method. You're the one that God wants to flow through to touch nations, to touch islands of the sea, to to bring forth babies, to impact a community. God's looking for a people who will believe him. Now, we just came back from, we just came back from unbelieved fulfillment of, I mean, to me, it was just mind-blowing. We're in Branson, Missouri. We're in one of the finest buildings on the strip in Branson. Some of you don't know what that is, but it's like, it's like Middle America Broadway. Broadway shows. It's all these shows in Middle America. Seven million people go to Branson every single year. Seven million people. Just that little, in the summer. In the summer. I don't know if you know where they all go. They have traffic jams like you can't believe. And people go to all these parks and Flat Top Lake. And they see all these incredible shows. And so we have a a theater on the main strip along with all the super, you know, high-end theaters. That's where our theater is. It is also a church. When we toured that, it is literally, now I've been around, Pastor Chris, my dear friend, we went and preached there. We heard the prayers. We heard the vision 15 and 20 years ago. So when we're walking around, I am walking in everything he prayed to the infinitesimal detail, every single thing that that guy prayed and believed for, God gave us in that facility. And I couldn't help but think, I said to him, I said, dude, what else are you asking for? This is amazing. You should have asked for more. He says, I know. I said, well, what are you asking for now? Because obviously, if God answered everything that you asked for back then, what you're asking for now, he's also going to do. And he just started crying. And I thought, my God, what could God do through a people like an Abram, through through a Joseph? Why would God give dreams to Joseph? Why would God do that? Why would God save us and, and heal us and fill us full of his spirit and then give us dreams and visions? I've gone, I'm going to tell you, I've gone to a whole nother level in the Holy Ghost. How, why is that? Because I don't know. It's a sovereign thing. God's gracious and kind. How do you know? I know. I can tell. I can feel it. Something's different. Something's different. Woo! Something's different. I'm asking for dreams. So Friday night, I, Friday night, I pray, God, you got to speak to me. I got to do, a, I, I've got to do call out rooms. That I got to do prophesy over 70 people in the morning on a Saturday, drive one hour and prophesy over another 70. And then, and then I, and I think at that time, I thought I was preaching too Saturday night. So I'm thinking, oh, God help me. That's a, that's a lot of put out. And so y'all prayed for me, and that's probably why I didn't preach Saturday night. But we still had to do the two call-out rooms. So Friday night, of course, of course Friday night's going to be like the sleep of the just. This amazing rest. Oh, no. No, it wasn't like that. I was in a call-out room all night in my dreams. And then, for whatever reason, Pastor Karen had a lot of exciting things happening that night. That woke me up about every hour on the hour, interrupting my call-out room in my dreams and my sleep. And literally, I think I was—I think I woke up six or seven times. And then it was only six hours, seven hours of sleep. So, 
at the end, I'm, you know, getting towards the time where I have to wake up, you know, like get up and get going, six o'clock in the morning. And I'm just thinking, oh God, this is, this is really something. Oh Lord. And I just thought, oh God, come on, give me a word. He's like, I have. I'm like, okay, you have. What is it? <laughs> and so I'm just like, Lord, I'm in this dream sleep state. My strength is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, I thought, I've heard that before. I don't really like that so much, Lord. So I woke up and I just started saying that. Oh, I'm weak, but he's strong. Hallelujah. I'm weak, but he's strong. Lots of people praying. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All these people coming and receive a word from the Lord. I feel like I can't even like tie my shoes right now. But God, you're going to speak to people. God, you're going to move in power. And then I do this crazy thing. It's this. I do this. By and by myself. I call it the intercessory chop. And so I just imagine people standing in front of me. The Lord says, ha ha, ha. And the Lord says, you're totally amazing. And your husband, oh, he loves you oh so much. Amen. And I just, just prophesy, you're going to get the contract. God's going to expand you huge. Uh, I, I was kind of, I wasn't joking. It was real. This is the word of the Lord. It actually is. He's going to give you the infrastructure so that you'll be able to handle these large, large things. So start planning for it so that you can do the real thing, which is ministry. Amen. <laughs> so what happens in the call-out room? God just shows up one after another after another. Pastor Karen starts ripping a hole in it, prophesying over people. I'm like, yes, yeah, that's my wife. That's my wife. That's her. <laughs> Daniel, he's not here. He's in a basketball tournament. My son Daniel prophesying and flowing I'm just sitting there going, man, people weeping, people crying, lives transformed. God wants to use you. He wants to use you. What do you want from God? What are you believing to happen this year? I don't know. I can't. Oh, stop. Just got somebody to look up from their Snapchat for 30 seconds just now. God's plan is a man. Abram becomes Abraham, the father of faith. He believed God. You're a part of his children right now. More than the stars. Joseph had dreams, sheaves bearing, bowing down. Why would God do that? Because that's the way that God works. You're important to his plan. So he'll look for you to give you a dream, to give you a vision. And if you can obey, if you can believe God, if you can hold on to that, if you can declare God's word and move forward in faith, you'll begin to see miracles birth, but it doesn't just happen. God spoke to you to go into full-time ministry. You had people tell you, well, that's not such a good idea. It's a little fake. You know, why don't you work a job first and then do the ministry thing? You're like, no, I got a word from the Lord. And you went for it. I guess, I guess it works then. Vision and faith works. Come on, somebody say faith works. You just better hear from God. I've known people going off half-cocked and all kinds of, all kinds of problems. Let me give you this in closing. How does vision come? The number one thing to remember is the fight. So if the devil can keep you bent, offended, irritated. You know, I had an interesting thing. Uh, we, we purchased a plow truck uh, just recently. And it was a fascinating thing that happened to me. And uh, I didn't really notice it until... Um, this afternoon, it really required, it required some doing on my part. What do you mean? I had to, 
I, I could have delegated it, but I felt like the Lord told me to do it. But in the process, there's this swirl. Some of you, some of you are so focused on buying the next thing, so focused on doing the, that you, you're not drawing near to God because you have these distractions everywhere. And here I am. Here I am in Branson, Missouri, or Springfield, or Ozark, or in between, or wherever I was. And I'm thinking, God, I hope that's the right truck. Well, that truck, Lord, was it the right, that's the right truck? I'm thinking, then I've got to get back. I'm like, wait a second. I, I've got 70 people to prophesy. Like, like, I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm going to tell you the things of the world want to come in and just eat your lunch. And if you allow them to, then you can't stay in a place of, of, of vision. You have to do the work, too. Please don't hear me wrong. But there's, there's times to, 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 to do administrative days and do what you have to do. And there's times where you need to get alone to hear from God. And if they get alone to hear from God to get the plan, to get the method for the man is, is overrun by the got to do all the Martha stuff. Truth is, is that Martha was loving God the way that she knew how and the way that she loved to love God, which is serving. And then Mary was loving. I just preached on it not long ago by video. Do you all remember that message? There's two different ways of, of loving God. One is not wrong and one's right. That's not how that is. You go study that. Because you people that are like hardcore workers get mad at people that are soakers and see them as, you're not spiritual. Get to work and serve the Lord. And then the people that serve with everything they got, they, you know, then, then the people that are the soakers are like, oh my gosh, they're so worldly. They're just so in the flesh, but they're just working all the time. They just need to rest. I don't know what the lips have to do with it. Let me just... A couple ways on how vision comes, and this is a review for some of you. Well, one is a prophetic word. How many of you have got a prophetic word that birthed vision in your heart? Yeah, I have. The, the, the whole building is an aspect of that. It's a prophetic word come to pass. So vision comes numerous ways. It's always a fight because if the enemy can keep you visionless and vision's progressive. So what the vision God give you is you're faithful in that. Then he goes, good job. Boom. Well done. God's reward for a well done job is more work. Yeah. <laughs> saying, I, I, I don't think I like that so much. Well, you'll stand before him at the end and it's a beautiful thing to know that you're doing the perfect will of God. It's always a challenge to get vision, but you have to fight for it. Fasting, prayer, is one of the ways it cleans things up, folds down your humanity so you can hear what he's saying. What is God saying? What does God want to do through you? You can have as many children as you want. Byron and Maria. It's up to you. No fear. I might have told you that before. It, it's, it's up to you and the leading of the Lord. It's a, Lord, if you feel like he's like, you're done for now. Hallelujah. I want you to have spiritual children and be a part of a massive outpouring of young adults. I don't know. But maybe if he's saying, I'm not prophesying another baby. I'm just saying you have faith. You, that's how the whole thing works. Is anybody else getting a hold of this? So... A prophetic word can come through a challenge. <laughs> I had, there's a video that uh, my son put out, and hopefully it'll never go anywhere beyond where he put it out to. But 
I am very, um, if you tell me I can't do it, that would be an indication that the Lord wants me to. That's sort of how the Lord wired me up. So I'm, it was a great gift that the banker gave me all those years ago when he said, laughed at me and said, you can't build this here. You can't, <laughs> you can't build this here. No one's gonna give you the money for that. You can't build that. That's too big. And it was almost like the Lord saying, you're absolutely on track, son. Go and build that ark. Hallelujah. I didn't tell you to build a canoe. I told you to build an ark. Yes, Lord. And you know, it can be terrifying at times, but then God gets a, a whole company of crazies like you all, and then we all get together to change the world, and then anybody, anything can happen. Can you say amen? amen? Come on, raise your hands to Jesus. Without vision, my people perish. comes through, vision can come through prophetic encounters, a word from a, from a prophet, a, a prophetic encounter in a dream, through angelic visitation, Sally Savior, I think it was an angel. It can come vicariously through connecting yourself with the people that are full of vision. I don't hang out with people that aren't doing anything. I'll minister to them and pray that they'll hear a message like this, get on fire and do something for God. I don't spend a lot of time with people that aren't going somewhere. You say, well, that's sort of arrogant. No, that's smart. Bad company corrupts good character. Guess what good, anointed, vision-filled company does? It releases the anointing. It releases vision. It releases God's power. I spend time, and I, I you know what I mean by time? I, I look to get near Dr. Morocco. I look to get near different great leaders. And, and I'm, I'm reading a book by E.M. Bound called The Pur Purpose, Purposeful Prayer. It's an E.M. Bound book. The guy's dead. I'm reading this book. It's like every single page is packed with revelation. And I'm thinking to myself, man, we have like Christian light books now. I mean, you have to read, you have to read a page and just be like, I mean, you, just, you could take pages of notes on one page. And, then, and, and the stuff we read now is just kind of like so featherweight, most of it. I'm not even sure if he's spirit-filled. I need to go check. But I'm reading this book on prayer and I'm thinking, Oh, my prayer. And it's in there that I read again that God's method is a man. God's plan is a man. It, it came from some other writer. I guess Sally told him, too. <laughs> a challenge, David and Goliath. I'm almost done. I'll close by nine, unless, of course, I don't. So we're in some restaurant where, yes, some restaurant where if it's your birthday, they roll the saddle up, worship team up on the platform, if you would, uh, just keys and musicians, just musicians, thank you. And so, you know, they roll the saddle up and then you get on the saddle and they have a little napkin, you know. Okay, so, so when I first get there, I had just had a dopio campana, was feeling joy-filled and refreshed. But after dinner, I was tired, and I did not want to ride this thing, and I had asked if I could ride it in honor of my mother-in-law, who was her birthday, and she's overcoming sickness and being healed of cancer. And I thought, I'm going to ride this thing for my mother-in-law on her birthday. We're going to video it, and we're going to send it to her. 
as a gift and make her laugh, right? So dinner's just about over, and the guy's like, you still want to ride? I'm like, oh, you would bring it up because I really didn't want to. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And uh, so he, they, roll up the, they roll up the leather saddle on the sawhorse or whatever it is. I get up, and all the phones come out. There's phones coming out everywhere. I get up on the, I, I get up on, I throw my leg over. I'm on the saddle. And the guy says to me, here's how it works. I'm going to sing the birthday song, and you're going to take this here napkin, and you do it over your head. I said, yeah, I've seen it. He says, yeah, but if you stop, I stop, and then we have to start all over, and no one wants to do that. And, and the guy looked at me with this look like, I said, oh, yeah? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right. Took my napkin. I said, Rudy Toot Toot, open the chute. I didn't say that. It's a cowboy term. He started singing, and I started riding. And I rode that thing, and I honestly did not know that you could actually get it going in a circle. And I rode it one way, and I rode it the other, and I couldn't believe the, the, the passion that came out of me riding this thing. And I'm going to tell you why. It is the way that I'm wired up. I'm wired up to just charge hell with a water pistol. If I, it's a challenge, and many times God will release a challenge. You but you can't do that. You can't. No, not one year. And no, you need to do it. You need to do a job, and then you gradually move into it. Well, that's not what the Lord said. It seems to be working out on year two. Traveling all over the place, getting people out of wheelchairs. Seems to be working. I got off of that horse and simulated horse. My wife was in shock. And the guy said, my God, if I knew you were going to ride like that, I'd have made you sign a waiver. <laughs> God wants to release his plan through you. And so I'm challenging you to get on the horse. I'm challenging you to get a vision that wakes you up in the morning. Don't, don't, don't live a lukewarm, apathetic, pathetic life of hungry man jack meals and Archie Bunker. Do you know what I'm talking about right now? God wants to raise you up. To change your world. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. That's why we're looking for a building in Anchorage and we're going to get one. That's why we're looking to plant a church in Amsterdam. Because all those Amsterdam people are going to split hell wide open. The Amsterdamians are mostly damned. We need to get them set free. So God will touch a crazy group of people like you, give you a vision, and then prepare you and train you. And all the money will be released. Everything you need will be released. You just need to get crazy and ride that. Listen. Ride the horse. That thing could have busted and splintered in a million pieces. Now I got seriously injured. 
but I didn't. <laughs> See, what if, what if it doesn't work? What if it does? Huh, Texas? What if it does? Do you think God saved you so that you could just be some eat worms in the back of your yard? That's not what God said. God saved you to do something great. Listen, and you know what great is? Great's, great's being a, an empowering, faith-filled wife. Great, greatness is, is, is doing what God says you can do, being what God says you can be, having what God says you can have. Whatever that is. You know what's great? Having a healthy marriage is great. Raising godly kids is great. I used to think, and I'll close with this. Can you do some Western music? I, I used to think. something profound, but I distracted myself. Ah, thanks. I used to think when I was younger, make sure you hear what I'm about to tell you. All you young guys, listen to the, listen to the old man. This, this will really help you. Because I will not tell a joke for the next 60 seconds. It might be 90 seconds. But if you don't let this sink in, your life can end up being very, very frustrating. I used to say to the Lord, if I have to pastor a church of 100 people, then I'm going to go sell automobiles. Not that there's anything wrong with selling automobiles. I think that's fine. God calls you to sell automobiles. You do that. But I have found that many pastors and evangelists that used to be in the ministry end up selling cars and trucks. I just have found that. No, really, it's like a phenomenon. But if I, if I have to pastor a church, I know this is arrogant and, 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 and wrong, but it was where my heart was at. If I have to pastor a church of 100 people, then I'm going to quit because then this is, forget it, I'm just not going to do that. No, I want to be like T.D. Jakes. I, I know you can say what you want about me. you got your own issues. I, my identity was woven into a, uh, I had a, a worldly ambition wove, listen closely, woven into a ministry call, which many people have. So if you don't make all the money and you don't become the millionaire, then you're not all that. Then is that, is that right? You want to show me in scripture, and I'm, I'm closing soon. Show me in scripture where it says that you, that you actually have to have fame, fortune, worldwide impact, money, wealth. Where is that? Because it's not in there. It's not in there. It's not. Oh, you may have worldwide impact. You may have fame and fortune. Listen, real, prov real provision, knowing God is your provider, is having what you need when you need it. Right. That's real provision. Right. 
Because, I mean, all that, you know, what kind of provision is it when you're on a, on a ship called Andromeda and it's sinking and uh, 264 souls or whatever it is are all going to drown? Yeah, you can get your checkbook out and swipe your card or get your Bitcoin. And how many Bitcoins you got? You got 13 Bitcoins. Good for you. You're all going to stink and drown. We don't need Bitcoin when the, when the ship is drowning. You need the fire and the power of God. You need a word from God. And the apostle Paul comes out and he says, the angel of God stood next to me, said, you got nothing to worry about. He didn't say I have 15 Bitcoins. Are you following me right now? And so what ends up happening is he has this word from God. If everybody does what I tell you, we're all going to live. Take heart. The angel of God, the angel of the Lord, of whom I, whom I am and whom I serve, stood by me and told me that that would be worth more than Bitcoin. God wants to empower you. And greatness in the end is standing before him, hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. But if you think it's ministry, worldwide ministry impact, and you're in your 20s, and it doesn't, listen, I thought it was going to happen when I was 20, when I was 27. Well, first of all, when I was younger, I thought I'd be like the president or some, you know, person, that, you know, great, you know, some great impacting person. And then, like, it all went wrong. I had a lot to do with it going wrong. And I came to the Lord, I'd be like, oh, I was serving God. So then, you know, by the time I was 30, I thought I'd be doing, you know, campaigns across America and, uh, and, and pastor a, a, a church of thousands, you know, that just would instantly blow up. That didn't happen. We went to Molokai where they hated us. And I learned to fast and pray for 40 days and have a breakthrough. So I got into my 30s and I got into my 40s and I'm 40. I'm 40, I'm thinking, okay, we're just a late bloomers. You know, we get a little late start. So we're in our 40s now. And it's going to come when I'm in my 40s. The Lord supernaturally provided for us to have a house. I don't know how old I was. 48, 47, something like that. My first house. And I kept saying, God has given me my first, 47. I think it was 48. 47. 47 or 48. It's a year off. It's close. Pastor Karen is not correcting me, so either one is probably right. <laughs> and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm finally getting my first house. I'm 48, and I've got my first house finally. And I had a lot of obstacles. I said it probably 10 times. Uh, the Lord wakes me up on a Saturday night, and he, and he says the same thing to me. So, you're 48 years old and you finally got your first house. He quotes me of what I've been saying all week. I sit up in bed. God's presence is there. And he says it again. So, you're 48 and you finally got your first house. I'm like, yeah. And he says, don't you think I could have given you your first house when you were younger? I said, yes. He said, so do you have a problem with my timing of blessing you now with your first house? He said, no don't. He said, do you think there's something wrong with you? Do you think there's something wrong with me? I said, no. He said, you, you have problems, son. I've run myself over the bus. I'm only 49 right now, so. <laughs> the joke of it was, it was just a few years ago. And he said, you have a worldly ambition for ministry. And a number of things took place which I won't get into now, but the Lord rebuked me significantly. I wept for a whole day when he showed me I was just as worldly as so many others. And 
things I've preached against and how I was looking for the glory of God, but I want 10% for me. All for the glory, all for the glory. Is it really all for the glory of God? Is, is, is it really? You need to ask yourself that question. Is it? Every single minister of the gospel, every business owner, every person under the sound of my voice, that plumb line needs to be dropped in your life. Yeah, you're his method. Yes, you're his plan. And he can replace you in a millisecond. So you want to stay in that place. And then real success is not worldwide impact. Like I thought, like, oh, do you know when the church really started growing? Right when I got healed. When I got healed of that, he said, okay, we'll start adding people now. Now that your identity is not tied to that, now that you're not going to quit with 100 people, now, now, we can, now we can do something, son. I'm like, all right, let's go, whatever you want to do, Lord. Is this conviction that I smell in here? The, 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 real, the real test, the real, have this as a vision, a main vision for your life, becoming like Jesus himself, having a heart so big and so wide, experiencing God's power, being selfless, turning the other cheek, seeing how much you can give and sacrifice, going the extra mile, doing the Sermon on the Mount. Not if you raise the dead. And, and I believe in raising the dead. I believe in all of that. God's plan is a man. God's method is people. But your heart must be tuned to the purpose of it. And it's for expanding his kingdom and releasing his glory in the earth. Will you do it? Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.